0: I won't quite say I have World Cup fever, but I did buy a soccer ball yesterday just to skew the marketing data at Walmart. With that in mind, the World Cup soccer tournament did get underway today with the host country, Russia, handily defeating Saudi Arabia. And I, for one, welcome their victory. I'm glad to see Russia back on the world stage like it was when I was a Cold War kid. You know, fun fact, the mascot of the 2018 World Cup is a wolf named Zabivaka, wearing a Russia 2018 shirt, much like Republican voters here in the United States. He's also got on adorable orange sunglasses, and you've gotta have those to really be the Zabivaka that I know and love. When it comes to deciding on a mascot, they let internet voting get the best of them. And while there was no Bodie McBoatface, Zabivaka beat out a tiger, a cat, And Vladimir Putin riding on President Trump. I don't want to talk much about soccer, though, today. Instead, I'd like to talk about caricatures, workers' rights, and hot air balloons while we ascend through the rare air of joshing around. Speaking of market data, I had some potential advertisers of the show ask me recently if I had any psychographic information on my listeners. Now, by psychographic, they don't mean a vivid description of my ex, but instead, all the information about my listeners that's not demographic, like your occupation, hobbies, and interests. And you know what? I truly don't have that information. I can only really guess. So I'd love to know, and here's a great way to do it. If you could draw a caricature of yourself, much like they do at attractions and fairs, you know, big head that shows what you like to do with a tiny body, and then maybe some of your other interests in the side, kind of like the show's logo, if you've ever seen that cute little bitmoji, send it in. And while we don't have official Josh and Around t-shirts yet, if you send me a caricature of you, a listener of Josh and Around, I'll send you a souvenir from my vacation. Sometimes I like to describe the origin of things. While other times I like to tell you who owns what. When it comes to the invention of the flashlight in 1899 by David Mizell, I get to do both. The invention was immediately assigned to the American Electrical Novelty and Manufacturing Company. And while a flashlight is great because it's essentially a torch that you hold in your hand without all the burning, it was the D batteries that powered the flashlight that truly provided the value. So in 1905, that novelty company became the American Ever-Ready Company. You might be familiar with them because they were the battery brand with that electrical cat on the side advertising that they had nine lives. Well, the EverReady company changed their brand to Energizer in 1980 and then ironically got sold to the Ralston Purina company in 1986. In 2000, the Energizer company was spun off on its own. And then in 2007, Energizer purchased Playtex products, acquiring, among other brands, Hawaiian Tropic and Banana Boat Sunscreen. I'm gonna use a ton of sunscreen on vacation just like I did as a kid holding on tight to a tow rope as I got pulled along on a banana boat. Do you remember these long yellow inflatables that they'd pull behind a real boat in a lake, a river, or an ocean if you're ballsy? But not me because I've seen Jaws of the Revenge, the one in the Bahamas that amazingly enough features both Mario and Melvin Van Peebles, the latter, the writer and director of Sweet Sweetback's Bad Ass Song. Banana Boat is also the proper name of the dish used to hold a banana split, a banana split only slightly younger than the flashlight itself, founded in 1904 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Latrobe, also home to Rolling Rock beer and the birthplace of Mr. Rogers. I'm curious to know If a banana split was enjoyed by the Banana Boat gang, that's the nickname of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, and Carmelo Anthony because they were caught riding a banana boat together, which I think is just adorable. Deo, or the Banana Boat song, is a traditional Jamaican folk song best known being released by Jamaican-American singer Harry Belafonte in 1956. The song is a work song, sung from the point of view of dock workers on the night shift loading bananas onto ships. Daylight has come, the shift is over, and they want their work to be counted up so they can go home. The song is thought to have been created around the second half of the 19th century when there was a rise of the banana trade in Jamaica. Harry Belafonte performed this song on the early days of television in the late 50s, but then the song wasn't heard again on TV until 1978, when Harry Belafonte was welcomed onto The Muppet Show. I heard this as my kids were innocently watching that episode the other day, and I was shocked. I did the research, and it's true. For over 20 years, Deo was not played on any television show, Variety or otherwise, and that makes me wonder, was it such a song towards workers' rights that it got blackballed completely? but I'm not here to lob bombs at the past when it comes to silencing voices. I'm not sure what happened because I wasn't there. It's funny how history takes on a different slant when you live through it and know all the ins and outs in their fine detail. However, I will commend the Muppets for once again being a sea of change and welcoming Harry Belafonte on the show to talk about those banana boat workers. You better believe there were dancing bananas involved too. I bought a pre-vacation souvenir to add to my Disney pin collection. This is a new trick Disney has convinced consumers to collect pins, and that's exactly what I've done. If you remember, if you've ever been to Hollywood Studios or Disney's MGM Studios, if you're an old timer, since the beginning in 1991, there was a Muppet Studio, and in the studio was a hot air balloon where a lot of the Muppets would ride. Well, they took that down. They cut the balloon into probably a million pieces, and then made commemorative pins involving that balloon. It shows Kermit with the hot air balloon, and then there's a tiny pop bubble that has just the teeniest piece of that balloon's canvas. Hot air balloons themselves are beautifully fascinating. I'm captivated by the simple paper lanterns that rise with heat, let alone a huge hot air balloon. Such a simple machine, yet at the same time, it does take a ton of hot air just to lift the small contents of that basket much more impressive than the hot air balloon, is the Zeppelin floating through the sky lighter than air thanks to hydrogen. This was first patented in Germany in 1895 and in the United States, the same year as the flashlight in 1899. It was then used commercially beginning in 1910 for transatlantic flights. Now, there were no fires allowed outside the kitchen, so folks on those flights, especially flights over the North Atlantic and Siberia, were bundled up tight in furs and blankets because it did get cold. Now, a fun fact is the Art Deco Spire on top of the Empire State Building was originally designed to serve as a mooring mast for Zeppelins and other airships, although it was found that high winds made this impossible, and that plan was abandoned. Now, I said you had to stay very warm in that compartment. By the time of the Hindenburg, though, several changes had taken place. The passenger space had been relocated to the interior of the overall vessel so passenger rooms were insulated from the exterior by the dining area. Warm air could be forced through and circulated, so it wasn't quite so cold. Still no flames, though. However, the Hindenburg did maintain a pressurized airlock smoking room. No flames allowed. However, one electric lighter was maintained permanently inside the room. While not as tragic as the 1937 Hindenburg disaster that killed 35 people and abruptly ended the airship era, In 1968, a popular band, The Yardbirds, were about to break up with dates left on their Scandinavian tour. So a few members of the band decided to stick through and enlisted a couple new members. They played through the tour and then afterwards decided to record their first album together. Well, When they went to use the name The New Yardbirds, they got a cease and desist letter from a few old members saying that name was only good for those Scandinavian dates only. One account of how the new band's name was chosen held that a few members suggested that a supergroup would go down like a lead balloon, an idiom for disastrous results. The group dropped the A in lead at the suggestion of their manager so that those unfamiliar with the term would not pronounce it lead. And the word balloon was replaced by zeppelin, a word which, according to music journalist Keith Shadwick, brought the perfect combination of heavy and light, combustible and grace to Jimmy Page's mind. A 1937 photograph of the burning of the Hindenburg taken by news photographer Sam Shear was used on the cover of the band's debut album and extensively on merchandise that I'm sure at this point you've seen. Led Zeppelin has long admitted that some of the references in their music to the fantasy work The Hobbit is intentional. Unlike members of the band Pink Floyd who seriously deny that there is any relationship between their album Dark Side of the Moon and the film Wizard of Oz. They've repeatedly said that the reputed phenomenon is merely a coincidence. When interviewed for the 25th anniversary, guitarist and vocalist David Gilmour denied that there was any intentional writing to be synchronized with the film, saying some guy with too much time on his hands had this idea of combining Wizard of Oz with the Dark Side of the Moon. Their audio engineer, Alan Parsons, said in 2003, it's a complete load of eyewash. And drummer Nick Mason told MTV in 1997, it's absolute nonsense. It has nothing to do with The Wizard of Oz. That album was all based on the sound of music. We could make several metaphors about the man behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz with regards to our day and age, but allow me to just say about that man, he was wise in one regard for choosing curtains over blinds because if he had chosen blinds, then his curtains would have had little slits in them, and Dorothy, the Tin Man, and even the Scarecrow would have been able to see through the whole time, even without the help of Toto. And while I'll always thank the Phoenicians for inventing the ABCs, I've got no love for the Venetians and their horizontally slatted blinds. What? That was the Persians? Oh, that's show That's what I get for throwing shade. Alas, it's time to ground this episode. I hope it wasn't too psychographic. If so... Just remember, I'm only a caricature of myself. Go balls out for the World Cup, and let's pray members of the U.S. team can find a good seat to watch as well. Shine a light on workers' rights when you can, while I split towards the boat. I got a whole lot of love for you tuning in. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends. Until once again, we hitch to aspire, begin Dark Side of the Moon, and aspire to begin joshing around.